Welcome to episode 11. Today we're going to be reporting live from the ground in occupied East Jerusalem. All I have to say to people is, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe a country that has been accused of apartheid by its own human rights organization that has targeted UN buildings before in previous assaults on Gaza, was known to fire missiles at hospitals, at schools in Gaza, or are you going to believe the Associated Press? One thing that has been made very clear in the last week is that a Palestinian from 48 is not different from a Palestinian in Gaza, is not different from a Palestinian in the West Bank, is not different from a Palestinian in Jerusalem, and is not different from their Palestinian refugee brothers that were pushed out into the rest of the world and who are fighting like hell to spread this message in solidarity with their brothers and sisters on the ground. They are made refugees once again. Zionists were responsible for making them refugees 73 years ago, and they are responsible for making them refugees 73 years later. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 11 of the Palestine Pod. This is Laura E. You might know me from Instagram as at Gazan Girl, and I'm joined today by my co-host Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok. Michael Scherzer on Instagram, and Mikey Intifada if you've been finding cute ways to justify genocide online. Today we're going to be reporting live from the ground in occupied East Jerusalem, and I'll be sharing some first-hand accounts coming out of Gaza, and we'll be providing some commentary on the way that things have developed in the last week. So please like, comment, subscribe, and let's get into it. I've been going through the whole inbox thing trying to make sure that I get all the messages that I need to be getting from inside Palestine. Anyone who has anything to actually report to me that I take it seriously, I write it down and I make sure to amplify it the next time that I do have a speaking event. And then there's also just like a lot of things where I just have to say thank you and move on, you know? So it's just like doing that whole process of just like cleaning out the inbox. I have over a hundred messages that I haven't read. And if I go through them and clean them out in half an hour, it's filled up again. So yeah. it's just been like a lot. And then obviously, like yesterday, I was just screaming for hours when my family got the phone call to leave. It's like, the first thought is, did they make it out in time? Because you never know. I mean, first of all, Israel doesn't always call, right? So right. there are many cases since these hostilities began four or five days ago now where Israel has fired missiles from its F-16s on families that were sleeping. And, you know, two days ago, we had a family of 10 all in one building die after a strike on their home in the middle of the night. We also had last night two different doctors, two different doctors' homes were targeted by missile attacks. And they died along with their families right? I've been posting about them as well. And I'm just going to give their names a little bit of space. One of them is Dr. Ayman Abul-Of, who is Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine. He works at Al-Shifa Hospital. He's really active with Doctors Without Borders. Israel knew exactly who they were targeting when they were targeting his house. There's absolutely no excuse for targeting medical professionals, just like there's no excuse for targeting an international news media building. I mean, in the same day that Israel targeted my family's home, they also in completely demolished the Associated Press and Al Jazeera building in Gaza. And the Israeli 
response is, well, we gave them a warning. We know we told them to leave. So, but we don't even question the premise, right? Why are you demolishing the building of, of two respected international press organizations to begin with? You know, Israel says, oh, Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. The Associated Press came out with a statement saying there was absolutely no Hamas in our building. We make sure of these things. This was a building that contained offices for international media, local media, and everyone knows that. Israel knows that. There was no Hamas. And that was a position, the official position of the Associated Press and Al Jazeera, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but anybody who gives bad PR to Israel is actually Hamas. Yeah, there you go. That's what they mean by Hamas, right? Hamas is actually a blanket term for anyone. It can include children. It can include doctors. It can include entire structures, apparently. Yeah, international media. And all I have to say to people who believe Israel or who who are interested in entertaining the explanations that are offered by Israel is... Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe a country that has been accused of apartheid by its own human rights organization, has been accused of apartheid by the most respected human rights organization in the world, Human Rights Watch? Are you going to believe a country that has targeted UN buildings before in previous assaults on Gaza, was known to fire missiles at hospitals in Gaza? at schools in Gaza where families were actually sheltering in the previous assaults. They were told to evacuate their homes and that they would be safe in the UN schools. So they went there and then Israel bombed the UN schools. And the UN said, we told them there was no Hamas. This is not the first time that a respected international organization has come out and said, we told them there was no Hamas. They bombed it anyway. Who are you gonna believe? Are you gonna believe Israel? Or are you going to believe the Associated Press, which is literally like the most generic news organization in the world? Who are you going to believe? You know, and the only thing I have to say about this is it's very clear what Israel is doing. Israel is trying to suffocate any and all information coming out of Gaza, coming out of Palestine during this uprising, because every single event, every single assault, every single interrogation, torture, bomb every single tear gas that is fired, every everything that they have done and are doing, every single settler that they collaborate with and collude with, all of its actions on the ground right now in occupied Palestine are revealing to the world who it is, who Israel is, what kind of a state it is, right? The state that we have heard for decades, it's a democracy. It's the only democracy in the Middle East. This is what a democracy is supposed to do. Democracy is supposed to drop bombs on entire families as they sleep without warning. A democracy is supposed to call the doorman to my family's building and say, we are going to fire right now. And the doorman, there's a video, there's an actual video of the doorman pleading, saying that there are still families inside. Just give us a few more minutes to evacuate. Look at the level of dehumanization of the Palestinian. The level of dehumanization is that... The destruction of our homes is not even to be questioned. The only marge for negotiation that we have is when it might take place. Please give us five more minutes instead of right now. You can, you can do it. You can, you can blow up the whole thing. You can level you know, an entire residential building. You can make thousands of Palestinians refugees 73 years to the day of the Nakba 
80% of the people in Gaza are not from Gaza, but they are from cities and villages that Israel claimed for itself after the Zionist militias expelled all of us down into Gaza. They destroyed those Palestinians' homes or they took them for themselves. And now 73 years later, just like is the case with the family of my brother-in-law who I'm reporting about, they are made refugees once again. The Zionists were responsible for making them refugees 73 years ago, and they are responsible for making them refugees 73 years later, along with thousands of other Palestinians whose homes were destroyed because Israel leveled multiple residential buildings in what looked like planned demolitions over the last few days. The assault on the Associated Press and Al Jazeera had a clear, clear mission to stifle any information coming out of Gaza, to make it impossible for people to know what is going on. And this is part of a concerted global campaign to silence Palestinian voices. I have been suppressed in every way possible for the last week. My Instagram account has shown me prompts for error messages that I never even knew existed, to telling me I can't save posts, I can't upload posts, I can't comment, I can't send this. People are having a hard time sharing and seeing my posts. People are having a hard time viewing my lives. Some people can see them, some people can't. There is not a single feature on Instagram right now that has not bugged on me multiple times a day in the last week. I've been kicked off this Zoom twice already. Facebook's secret internal rules for moderating the term Zionist let the social media network suppress criticism of Israel amid this ongoing wave of atrocities. In place since 2019, seeming to contradict the claim by the company in March that no decision had been made on whether to treat the term Zionist as a proxy for Jew. When determining whether it was deployed as hate speech, the policies obtained by the Intercept governed the use of Zionist in posts not only on Facebook but across its subsidiary apps, including Instagram. Furthermore, Emai Palmore, I believe, former director general of Israel's Justice Ministry, serves on Facebook's so called independent oversight board, which is a very cute name for censorship board. Social media platforms to remove Michael, you're frozen. Third time. That's the third time I've been kicked off this motherfucking Zoom, fam. Uh, which means that that's not a censored. coincidence. Nope, we're being censored. That is not a fucking coincidence. We honestly need to figure out a way to record outside of Zoom because 100%. I don't trust these motherfuckers. It's so wild. We're reporting on censorship and these motherfuckers censor us as we're reporting on it. The shit is wild. So add Zoom to that list of companies that are actively censoring Palestinian voices and Palestinian content. Yeah, I mean, Zoom already was criticized because Zoom has already canceled events in support of Palestinians due to pressure from Zionist groups. And look, Michael, I just want to elaborate a little bit on what you've just said. Not only has Israel's justice minister asked TikTok and Facebook to remove posts, Politico reported that Facebook met with Israeli officials to discuss online so-called hate speech and put some pressure on these companies to monitor and censor content. But we already know that as early as 2016 and 2017, The Intercept already reported that Palestinian news sites and Palestinian accounts in general were being erased completely on Facebook. We already know that Facebook responded to requests from the United States government and the Israeli government to delete posts 
and it agreed. We already know that they were filtering through pro-Palestinian content, right? And so this is just a continuation of the censorship that we have already seen in favor of the Zionist message and propaganda. 100%. Hi, is this better? Ugh, this is like not better. Your internet connection is unstable. Is it... Is it really my internet or is it Zoom, which is unstable? My camera is so messed up. This is a part of the censorship. It is what it is. We just got to rock through it. Yeah, I went to the protest yesterday in Paris, which, by the way, was banned. It was canceled earlier in the week because the government had said that there was unrest during the protests in 2014 when Israel committed its last genocide in Gaza. And we went anyway because we're experiencing another genocide. And not only are we experiencing another genocide, but we're experiencing another genocide that Israel itself promised us would be worse than all the previous genocides. Benjamin Netanyahu himself said, we'll show Gaza what they have never seen before in terms of the scope of the damage. And the war minister said that they were going to flatten Gaza last week. So actually what we're being promised by the Israeli government is clear genocide and genocide at a scale greater than what Gaza has already seen before in the previous three military assaults that Gaza has had to deal with ever since Israel imposed the land and sea blockade in 2005. So there was a Facebook post that was translated said we need an Arab Holocaust. Yeah. They said they encouraged people to rape and murder. Furthermore, I saw that the Israeli government actually used the Warsaw ghetto to study to replicate the same policies on Gaza. So when I say it looks familiar as a Jew, it's not because I'm just saying that, it's because they replicated it. They studied the process of Nazis to inflict that pain on Palestinians. And I will link to it because I found the source. I attended a rally for Palestine in Toronto and thousands of Palestinians and pro-Palestinian supporters gathered in front of City Hall in Toronto. Palestinian youth, elders, supporters, people of all religions, all races, packed Nathan Phillips Square. The youth climbed up on the Toronto sign, on the rings that overlooked the park, and raised the Palestinian flag. It reminded me of the photo that was outside of Al-Aqsa. I overheard a girl looking at the thousands of people in support of Palestine. And she said, this really puts everything in perspective. I saw a Palestinian father bring his son to what was likely his first protest. He asked his son, did you like it? His son said, I loved it. I saw Jews, I saw Muslims, I saw Christians, all protesting together for an end to Jewish supremacy, to an end to apartheid. Maybe 30 Zenists showed up. They required police protection all around them the whole time. A Zionist threw a metal bottle and hit a hijabi girl in the face. Her head swelled up. The Toronto police did absolutely nothing. They didn't get her water or anything. The Toronto PD then coordinated an evacuation for the few Zionists that were there and trying to incite violence. 
they tried to keep Palestinians away from the Zionists. But straight up, some of those Palestinian boys were too hungry for the Toronto PD. <laughs> they got busy on them settlers and did a little decolonization in Toronto. The Zionists had to run away after saying things like stop Arab terrorism. And then they posted a video of them getting beaten up and acted like the victims. The people who got beat up were members of the JDL, a known terrorist organization. All right, there we so go. anyway, shout out to the Palestinian youth who managed to jump a few fences, if you know what I'm talking about. The response, the global solidarity response has really been very touching and very heartwarming. And it's very clear to me that what we're seeing now is different than what we have ever seen before. I have been protesting for Palestine since I was 18 years old. I have been chanting the same slogans, you know, hey, hey, ho, ho, the occupation has got to go since I was 18 years old. I have been calling for a dismantlement to the apartheid regime since I was 18 years old. But I think what we're seeing now in terms of its ampler, in terms of the support and solidarity is really on a different scale. I mean, there were 150,000 people that protested in London yesterday. And I am very sure that had we been allowed to proceed with our protest in Paris, that our protest would have been just as big because our protest was canceled and thousands of people showed up anyway. And we put our lives on the line and we got gas and fire hose just immediately upon arrival. Like these cops didn't even try to, you know, wait until they could have potentially argued that, oh, the protesters were getting rowdy. We literally showed up and the first thing we were met with was fire hoses and tear gas. And Paris actually deployed 4,500 police officers, which is the largest number in recent history at any protest. I don't know if you know this, but tear gas is actually just a cop's way of saying hello. I don't know that. And now I'm lagging. And also, what is a child but a tiny adult that hasn't been tear gassed yet? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't think I was going to laugh today, but you're still finding a way. So thanks for that. I walk a mental tightrope. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. We're going to be in discussion with one of our Jerusalem brothers, Adnan, who's going to give us his views on the Palestinian uprising. Thank you, Adnan, for being here and giving us some Hello. of your time. Obviously, we have been reporting for the last week on what has been happening in 48, in the occupied West Bank, in, the, in occupied Jerusalem, and in Gaza. And from your position, being in occupied Jerusalem, can you just give us a sense of what have you been doing for the last week? What has the resistance looked like? And what do things look like today? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Second of all, we've been witnessing all what's uh, happening now since its very beginning. Like things started to escalate from Ramadan. From the first day of Ramadan, they closed the square plaza of Damascus Gate which is our cultural hub as uh, people who live in the old city of Jerusalem. We don't have backyards. We don't have this American dream house, you know. So it's always Damascus Gate where we sit for no reason, for absolutely no reason. They closed it with the metal barriers. So people started protesting. If you want to close Damascus Gate, we're going to stay here and stand next to it. We will not sit in the hub that you closed. We will stand next to it. So whenever we stood, excessive violence, gas bombs, bringing that uh, shitty water, <laughs> what it's called, stunk water, and uh, spraying it on all over the place. 
Um, they used all the kind of uh, excessive violence and brutality just to repress us for demanding them peacefully to sit at those stairs. I know it sounds very stupid at the beginning and how we are where we are now. At the same time, you know what's happening in and so we, ha- we have these two spots on fire which are so close to each other. So uh, slowly they, they both started to merge together. And uh, the force is that they start to uh, suppress Palestinians in Damascus Gate. When they end there, they go to Shajarrah to suppress the others. So now you see that all started to become connected. And before Ramadan started, uh, when the Jewish Purim, I call it the uh, Jewish Halloween, <laughs> uh, this, uh, this celebration uh, always brings a lot of troubles because they are always drunk and they are always in huge groups and attack Arabs. So they started attacking that day, uh, before Ramadan of a couple of weeks, they attacked all the Palestinian bus drivers who work for the Israeli buses. Can you imagine? The, the drivers of the buses were just keep complaining for the police, keep asking for help, no one interfered, until one of uh, the groups attacked the Palestinian driver who, was, uh, who had a panic attack and drove someone and killed him. That's uh, how start, things started. As a response for the violence that we have been seeing before Ramadan and the inability uh, to fight the armed occupation forces in Damascus Gate, people tended to bully, focus on the world, to bully the passing Jews uh, through Damascus Gate in order to tease the government. If we cannot play with your guns, we will play with your people. That's how it started. So they started recording on TikToks like slapping a Jew or our, uh, spilling coffee on them. As a response to this bullying, and the bulliers were punished by the police and arrested, and the complaints were fulfilled. As a response for that bullying, the, the right-wing uh, group Lahava said that Jews are being attacked by Arabs, and we want to kill those terrorists. Burn Arabs, kill Arabs. They gathered themselves at Jaffa Street in huge groups, and they were taunting Arabs. Are you an Arab? Are you an Arab? If you are an Arab, let's kill him. They started this and we've been covering this for months and telling people what the fuck is wrong with them. Really, it's a whole new level of the situation. So they decided to come to Damascus Gate and have this fight with us Palestinians because the government, that's what they say, the government are not doing its duty. What duty? Do you mean that you want the government to systematically kill us all in order to achieve your... We are being suppressed, oppressed, gas bombs, sound bombs, coercive environment that an animal cannot live with in Jerusalem. And still you are, you have this sense of they are not doing their duty. Jewish Zionists are calling for an Arab Holocaust right now. Those people. Yes, they are. So that's how things started. And when they came to Damascus Gate, the government wanted to separate us. They used the light forces with them and we, the ones who are demanding to open the fucking stairs and to have a peaceful nights of Ramadan, were met with rubber bullets, explosive grenades and all those stuff. Unlike for them, they just sprayed them with some of that shitty water and just kept pushing them physically. You, it, it, it looked like an orgy, I swear. Not like the way they just keep pushing at us. So things started to escalate from that point and, uh, and Hamas kept sending Israel. Uh, those warnings that if you continue 
these violations of the Palestinians, we were responsible. We, we heard like tons of warnings from Hamas. And we were like, no, it's just uh, the usual uh, uh, drama of Hamas. We did not accept, uh, expect to have to reach this point. And the worst day where we reached all the peak of this situation at Al-Qadr night. Al-Qadr night is the holiest night of Ramadan. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it came with the time that they have something that they which allows them to break into Al-Aqsa. Why would you break into Al-Aqsa in the most holy night of Ramadan? And in this period exactly, they have tons of celebrations that you can delay this. It was provoked by the government, by the people. There is something is driving all of this. Like, I swear the excessive violence. I've been living in the old city for 21 years. I'm now 21, which I did, I've never left it. I've never witnessed such excessive violence that is not justified. Sometimes they have some justifications here and there, but this time they have zero. So I feel like they were begging for it. They were bringing that uh, warnings from Hamas to, to its ground. And that's what we witnessed at the day of Al-Qadr. Five Palestinians lost their eyes by the uh, rubber bullets. Can you imagine? People were suffocating inside the dome of the rock because of their gas without bringing the ambulance to them. People were trapped inside the Al-Qibali Mosque, the compound, and they were closed. Uh, the doors were closed, and they decided to gas people from the windows by uh, throwing bombs on them from the windows. So the violation, it's not only what drove Hamas crazy, it drove the whole world crazy. We were trending because it, it doesn't make sense. Like, it was so crazy. And that's where everything started, as you can see. And after advocating days about Lahava, that I do not personally know, it's my first time ever to encounter those groups. Now it's all out of control. Do you know that the Perj movie, we are living it now, Lahavas, with the protection of the government, are now roaming the old the city of Jerusalem, the East Jerusalem and the North. Even the Arabs of Israel, sorry for that word, it's very disrespectful, but I want to continue with this Zionist terminology. Even the Arabs of Israel, who live like this with Israel, as they uh, describe the Israelis, are now being attacked by the ones who have been they working with, by their CO workers, by their CO. They are all unveiled. It's like uh, the Persian night, when you have did that day, all the crimes are allowed and no one will hold you accountable. That's what's happening now, but on daily basis. So people are freaking out, really, and uh, we don't have any uh, way to protect ourselves. We stay up until the until the sun rises because we are afraid from nocturnal attacks. All we have here is just wood sticks, and they have all the kind of arms and rifles. And if we defend ourselves, the military forces and the occupation forces interfere with their gas bombs, rubber bullets, and that drama again. And they just keep them safe. Keep, I, I wish if that. Uh, and it's all documented. And now that's why our voice is everywhere because people know. Finally, see. That's in a brief how we reached that point. Thank you, Adnan, for this very exhaustive review of the recent events that spurred this flare-up, right, of colonial violence. Yes. I want to just respond to a couple of the things that you said. First, the idea that nobody in the world recognizes Israel's claim to East Jerusalem. East Jerusalem is occupied militarily under international law. And 
what must be done in East Jerusalem is a full withdrawal by the Israeli occupation forces. There is no other solution. So I think the mere fact that there is a presence of Israeli occupation forces in Jerusalem to begin with is in and of itself an act of violence, right? So I think we, we need to make sure that this is very clear for our listeners. The story of Sheikh Jarrah is the story of every Palestinian city. Because remember, in 1948, when the Zionists expelled the majority of the Palestinian population, and they seized 78% of the land of historic Palestine, and they expelled 80% of the Palestinian population and made them stateless refugees and wouldn't let them go back, and they destroyed over 500 cities and towns and villages so that they could then make way for Jewish people to come from all over the world and settle in this land, right? What ended up happening was that those Palestinians' homes were taken, including the homes of the people who are in Sheikh Jarrah, who are fighting to keep their homes in Sheikh Jarrah today. So what we're seeing right now is a clear connection that is being made with the Nakba of 1948. And not only is this connection being made in occupied East Jerusalem with the struggle for Sheikh Jarrah, right? But it's also being made right now in Gaza. My family, Adnan, lives in Gaza. And what we're seeing today with the indiscriminate assaults on residential buildings in Gaza in the last few days, Israel has made thousands of Palestinians refugees once again. Yes. And as you know, Adnan, 80% of the Palestinians in Gaza are not from Gaza, but they are also from territories that they were expelled from in 1948 by the Zionist militias. So my family yesterday lost three apartments in a missile attack on Cairo Residential Tower. My family were refugees from 1948. Israel stole their city and they completely destroyed it and they expelled them to Gaza. They spent most of their life in a refugee camp in Gaza and only recently were able to purchase apartments in Gaza, right? So there is a clear connection being made both in Gaza but also in occupied Jerusalem with respect to the origin of this, which is the Nakba. It's not only a connection, it's a continuation. Exactly. That's the issue. So that's that's what that's why I'm happy that the world finally sees because Rah, that small neighborhood represents the whole cause. And Gaza, what's happening there now is just basically the systemic ethnic cleansing. Many Israelis and Zionists claim that, oh, you say ethnic cleansing, like ethnic cleansing and killing people. So what's happening in Gaza now? So you have two examples of ethnic cleansing that they are now on the ground which is the one by the law, let's call it law like this, because it's, uh, you know, colonial court, exactly. in addition to the direct violence. Exactly. So on the one hand, in occupied East Jerusalem, which, by the way, the settlers have said, we want to take East Jerusalem. Th these are their words. We want to take East Jerusalem just like we took West Jerusalem. West Jerusalem was Palestinian. And now they want to finish the ethnic cleansing that they committed in West Jerusalem in 1948. And so you see on the one hand, as you said, perfectly articulated, you see the legal form of ethnic cleansing by a colonial state, which is using the law to expel Palestinians 
from their homes once again. And you are also seeing the brute force ethnic cleansing, which is taking place in Gaza with the indiscriminate and wanton attacks on families. I have constant contact with my family in Gaza and other friends in Gaza, including a friend who works at Al Shifa Hospital. And he describes to me scenes of families being brought in from having been massacred together during their sleep, mostly women and children, victims, right? Victims that include medical doctors. These people are being surgically targeted by the apartheid state because of who they are. They have targeted journalists as well. Yesterday, they also dropped bombs on a medicine factory. Everything Israel is doing is a war crime. And it's all very consistent with its policy of ethnic cleansing that it has been practicing for 73 years. And on this point, I just want to add, this is the exact reason why Israel has never defined its borders, because its borders continue to expand. It was not enough for Israel to steal 78% of Palestine in 1948. It wanted more of Palestine, and that's why it occupied the West Bank in 1967, along with East Jerusalem, along with Gaza. Right now, in 2021, controls 100% of historic Palestine through various ways of colonial domination, whether it be through siege in Gaza, whether it be through apartheid in 48, whether it be through military <coughs> occupation in the occupied West Bank and East Jerusalem. So what we are dealing with is a campaign of ethnic cleansing that we as Palestinians have been fighting for the last 73 years. And that includes Palestinians all over Palestine, from 48 to Gaza, to West Bank, to East Jerusalem, but also Palestinians in exile. The ones like myself, the ones like the Palestinians in Jordan, who a few days ago marched with their Jordanian brothers and sisters to the border in solidarity with Palestinians, right? There is a, an uprising that we are witnessing today in 2021, and this uprising is global. This is not an uprising that is limited to the West Bank that can be characterized as a conflict between Israel and Gaza like previous military assaults on Gaza were. What we're seeing right now is a return to the past, actually, because Jewish people were excluded from public life in 1935 when the Nuremberg Law Did Michael freeze for you? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, so Zoom has been censoring us, Facebook has been censoring us. Yeah. We've been getting censored everywhere. Anytime we try to do anything on technology, it just doesn't work. Are, are you being censored, Kaman, on Instagram? Instagram, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so what I have witnessed has been absolutely incredible by the Palestinian uh, activists on the ground. You, you, sorry, you've been censored again, Michael. That's the fourth time I've been kicked off this Zoom. Anytime you start to speak. <laughs> they are scared of your boy and they yeah. should be because I was about to say this is a return to the past actually Jewish people were excluded from public life in 1935 when the Nuremberg laws were issued this is Nazi Germany these laws stripped German Jews of their citizenship and their right to marry Germans in 2018 the Israeli nation state law was put into effect the nation state law downgraded Arabic and establishes settling in the national interest there is a Jewish ban on intermarriage and groups like Lehava, which are now running pogroms, terrorize anybody who tries to intermarry. 
Starting in 1939, the Nazi government ordered that all Jewish people wear a yellow star of David on their clothing. It's a tactic that isolated Jews from the rest of society and made it easier for them to be identified and targeted. Palestinians are forced to have specific ID cards that indicate their level of access. Palestinian vehicles have different colored license plates so that they are easily identifiable and plates indicate which roads they are allowed to drive on. Following Germany's invasion of Poland, Jews were forced to live in confined areas called ghettos, sometimes sealed off from the rest of the city by fences or barbed wire. They faced shortages of food, medicine, and lived life in constant fear. Gaza has been under blockade from food, water, medicine, power for the last 15 years. In 1939, the Nazis bombed the Warsaw Ghetto the center of Jewish resistance. For the last 20 years, the Zionist regime has been dropping bombs on Gaza. Just in 2014 alone, Zionists dropped between 18 to 20,000 tons of explosives on Gaza. The Nazis constructed incarceration sites, which included detention centers, forced labor camps, and killing centers. They functioned independent of any judicial review, and torture, starvation, and murder were frequent. Thousands of Palestinians today languish in political prisons, forced labor camps, concentration camps, and this includes children and women. Yeah, I think it's an important parallel to be made, Michael. So thank you for sharing that. But I, I can y'all see why I've been kicked off this zoom four times. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, they always go local when you tell them that you are not, I don't know why, whenever that Nazi argument is just always the boom. And well, maybe they should stop being Nazis then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that the thing is, is that what you're absolutely right, that what we're seeing is a return to the past, a return to previous techniques of oppression, but also a return to the past of the Palestinian story. And I think one thing that has been made very clear in the last week is that a Palestinian from 48 is not different from a Palestinian in Gaza, is not different from a Palestinian in the West Bank, is not different from a Palestinian in Jerusalem, and is not different from their Palestinian refugee brothers that were pushed out into the rest of the world and who are fighting like hell to spread this message in solidarity with their brothers and sisters on the ground. I have made more friends in Palestine in the last week than I have in my whole life because my whole life Israel has tried to separate us physically from one another. My whole life Israel has tried to separate us ideologically from one another, which is exactly why Adnan said the Arab citizens, right, of Israel, because that's what Israel calls them in order to try to deprive them slowly, psychologically of their Palestinian identity. They are Palestinian. And so... What we're seeing is a clear rejection, a clear rejection of decades of attempts by the Zionists to physically separate and ideologically separate Palestinians. We are asserting today in 2021 that what the Zionists said when they started their genocidal ethnic cleansing campaign, that the old will die and the young will forget is false. We are here, we are united, and we all know that we are Palestinian. Yes, and to continue about your point, let me spill some energy. We always have this inner conflict where we see, like, we are a pyramid on the Palestinian side. The ones who are above the pyramid are the Arab Israelis, which are very wrong term, but I need to use it because it's in, in its last days. So let's say goodbye to that term. Uh, so Arab Israelis are the elite. That's how we see them. Under them, us, the people of Jerusalem, the stateless residents of Israel, 
who are undefined citizens. And the third class is the West Bank. So one are technically seen as Israelis by the government itself before what's happening now. And they have this coexistence and perfect life. The second ones who are us live under a good economy, Israeli economy, that is better than the West Bank. And that's what makes us different. We are the same in everything except for the economy. Because we are under the Israeli economy here, not in the West Bank. And the West and you know, Gaza is a whole different world. So this what's happening now broke that pyramid. We are all under the, the same fire, the same attackers, the same enemy, and even the same identity to defend. So now what really shock us all, everybody now is in shock. The city of Akka, it's that idealistic place of coexistence. You can never tell who is a Jew, who is a Palestinian there. It's filled with that. It's the occupation's lala land that shows how we are not an apartheid. In one night, in one night, now it's war. Everything is burning now. Settlers attacked every Arabic store, every Arabic house. They threw Molotov on the Jazar mosque. We were in shock. It's like them. Because now we've been always saying this and La uh, Tusaleh, I don't know what to call it in English. It's uh, very popular. Um, كيف ممكن ترجمها؟ لا شو قصدك يعني انه لا تصالح؟ فسر لي اياها يعني انه الناس كثير كانوا بالشمال مصالحين الى اخره وانهم متعايشين انه موافقين انه موافقين قصدك؟ بالضبط مش موافقين انهم متعايشين وحمشين الامور so basically the idea is is that the people there in Akka were basically able to continue to survive and that they were content they were complicit they were not revolutionary in nature So they found this uh, big fat uh, attack on their faces and which was very shocking. I just want to add that my friends in my friends in 48 are telling me that they are facing extreme violence. I mean, we have seen images and videos of lynchings, actual lynchings taking place by Zionist mobs. We have seen Palestinians being pulled out of their vehicles. We have seen the destruction of Palestinian businesses all across 48 by mobs of armed Zionists. We have seen collusion between the army and the Jewish Israelis in 48. We have also seen, and I've heard firsthand reports from multiple Palestinians in different 48 cities. They have told me that the Zionist mobs have gone around to all the homes, Palestinian homes in the neighborhood, and they have marked the outside of the doors yes. with the numbers of the people who live inside. Yes, yes, it's very scary to be honest. I, don't, I know that we are strong. We have this strong image and we see you see us resilient and so on. But this specific thing is absolutely terrifying. That's what drove the Palestinians out of Palestine in 1948. The Zionist gangs who were killing raping and terrorizing people. So when you hear about your neighbor, your neighbor's girl or daughter was raped, that's how it started at 1948. People would just flee away because they don't want to be raped. They don't want to be killed. And like two days ago, one of the right-wing lunatics posted, we need to make another Holocaust for Arabs. Let's castrate their men. Let's rape their women. Let's break their Who was that? I don't know. His name is in Hebrew. I don't know Hebrew. And I still have the link of his post and I still have the screenshot. And his post did not even get deleted or censored or he did not know he was arrested by the government. Until now, I don't know what are the updates. Even you have these white tattooed skinny boys and their girlfriends uh, going on the Israeli media and saying, a good Arab is a dead Arab, let's kill them all and screaming. 
we we are being attacked by zombies they are so fucking creepy really so we are living in this insane fear now and <laughs> sorry for the language no that's perfect you i'm so sorry in. to laugh at it yeah, yeah. Just, you, you, said, you, you said fit it in so well. very well at the Palestine pod because all we do here is rove Zionists and expose them right for their yeah. lies and for their genocidal tactics. So you you're doing great. Yes, but li- believe me, I I've been I just want to cut my tongue for something. When everything started at Ramadan, I I kept referring it to the, it as the Purge movie and doing those nice edits on Insta and having this fun. This fun tend to be real. <laughs> I've been foreshadowing what's going to happen all the time, so that's the real issue, and uh, we are really in in a huge fear. And can I can I say something fear. else, Adnan? Yeah. I just want to add one thing. What you've just said now about 48 and how the Zionists themselves are planning a return to the same tactics that they used initially to expel the majority of the Palestinians and steal their land, to me is very telling that this is completely 100% about 48. So not only are we seeing a return to 48. Continuation. Yes, yes, exactly. A continuation, a continuation of 48 happening in Gaza and in the West Bank and in Jerusalem, but also internally in 48. And it reminds me of the Haaretz article from a few days ago where the Haaretz reported that inside Ben-Gurion's journals there was an admission of the rape that was used by the Zionist militias as a technique to inspire the Palestinians to flee, that they would use it as a tool in their ethnic cleansing campaign. Right. And so now they are they are they are continuing the same tactics, the same tactics that they used to take our land the first time and to make us refugees. They are continuing them all across historic Palestine. In relation to the rape, to draw on it in a feminist colonial lens, we are a patriarchal society. Honor is very important to us. So our honor was used as a colonial tool in order to expel us from here. And that's how colonialism and feminism and patriarchy are all the same three bitches in one circle. And it's all connected. And also, I'm just so happy now that the world is able to see because now we will not hear the Palestinian narrative and the Israeli narrative. No, the narrative now is being illustrated, is being displayed before your eyes. It's no longer a story. It's an action. It's no longer a narrative. It's the, it's the real ground. So this white uh, and blue-eyed conversations about Palestine, the two voices, the two blah, blah, blah. No, you don't have two voices. You have one. I always tell people that there is no moral equivalency between the 11th most powerful army in the world, the only nuclear power in the Middle East, apartheid state, which is called an apartheid state by its own leading human rights organization, as well as international human rights organizations, a state which has been consistently protected and shielded from any sort of accountability on the international level for its violations of international law and its violations of human rights by the United States, the greatest settler colony in the world, people are starting to understand that the story of Palestine is a story of a people who have been subject to a campaign of continuous ethnic cleansing for 73 years, who today make up the world's largest refugee population. 8 million out of 13 million of Palestinians are refugees worldwide. People are starting to understand that Palestinians are resisting for their rights. Their slogan, the Zionist slogan is death to the Arabs. The Palestinian slogan is free Palestine. You tell me which side you want to be on. Exactly. People are starting to understand that Palestinians are fighting an anti-colonial struggle. 
People are starting to understand why it is that the Palestinian struggle was so popular in the 60s and 70s with all of the other anti-colonial struggles in the third world. People are starting to understand that Palestinians have the legitimate right to protect their land from being stolen once again. People are starting to understand that Palestinians not only have the, the moral right to resist, because of course nobody would accept that anyone enter their house and kick them out because they believe they were sent on a mission by God. So why do they expect Palestinians to accept that? But people are also starting to understand that Palestinians as an occupied people, as a people subject to a foreign military occupation that has been ongoing for decades with no end in sight, have also the legal right to resist under international law, including by means of relying on armed resistance. Because that's all we have. We don't have a navy. We don't have an army. And we have tried nonviolent resistance. BDS is nonviolent yeah, resistance. Do. They told us we can't do BDS. They told us BDS is violent. We can't even engage in boycott or call for boycott without being blacklisted. We tried the protests at the wall in occupied West Bank in in Bilain and Na'lin. We tried that. They they fired on us tear gas and they fired on us sound bombs and they killed people and they fired rubber bullets, which is not even rubber to begin with, right? We tried we tried nonviolent resistance. We tried going to the UN. We tried going before the International Court. We tried going before the International Court of Justice. We got a ruling from the International Court of Justice in 2004 saying that the apartheid wall was illegal and needed to be dismantled, and it is still existing today in 2021. The apartheid yeah. wall has not been dismantled. Yes. And the apartheid wall is, is really a game. It's only a tool for the media to show that we are preventing terrorists. No, it's not like this. I swear, when COVID hit Israel in a crazy way, the economy was collapsed. You know what they done? There is that glitch in the wall that many uh, people from the West Bank run from. They cleared the security from that glitch in order to let the people of the West Bank come to Israel and revive the economy. So we had hundreds of people coming and no terrorist attacks. Then what the fuck is that wall for? I'll tell you what the wall is for. The wall is a tool to exercise more land theft and expand the yes. colonial project and yes. pursue even further the campaign of ethnic cleansing. Because what the wall does is it separates Palestinian families from Palestinian families and Palestinian land from Palestinian land. And in doing so, all of the land that ends up on the side of Israel has been annexed and stolen by Israel in recent years. So many Palestinians have had their land lost and land taken, of course, with no compensation whatsoever and absolutely no means to challenge this in any sort of court, right? Because all your only options as a Palestinian is to go before a military court where the rate of a judgment being rendered against you is 99%. So good luck having your colonizer decide your fate, right? The exactly. only purpose of that wall is to further continue the colonial project. And so Palestinians have tried everything. We've tried nonviolent resistance. We've tried the law. We've tried armed resistance. We've tried everything. What is so frustrating to me is that people who expect Palestinians to limit their struggle to a nonviolent struggle, leaving aside the fact that we have the legal right to use armed resistance, they themselves would never accept any of these conditions that Palestinians have accepted with grace and dignity for the last seven decades. Yes. In addition to Palestinian resistance being legal, what the Zionist era regime is doing is completely illegal. They are targeting medics. They are targeting civilians. They are targeting residential buildings. They are targeting children. 
Okay, these are all crimes as defined by every credible human rights organization ever. So it is justice versus injustice, morality versus immorality, terrorism versus resistance to colonialism. Which side do you want to be on? I'm really glad that you brought that up, Michael, because in my work in the last few days, just trying to document all of the firsthand reports coming out of Gaza, I told my followers in a live that, guys, I can't keep track of the amount of war crimes that have been committed. There are just too many to list. It's not the occasional war crime, oops, oh, we did this, it's an accident, yeah, sorry. There are multiple war crimes being committed per hour. They're tweeting their war crimes in advance. They're letting people know they're going to target journalists. They're letting people know they're going to target hospitals, orphanages. What are you doing? Confidence, confidence with the world's silence. They see themselves as gods on this land, on this world, not only on this land. So Adnan, where do you see this going? What do you think the, the energy is like? You know, people have been asking me, like, are we freeing Palestine right now? Is, is this how we free Palestine? And I told them, you know, of course, I don't know, right? I don't know how this ends. But I, I do know for a fact that we are going to free Palestine. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But we are getting closer than we ever have been before. So what do you think? When it comes to the uh, situation inside the Green Line, uh, things will never go back as they were. We have a whole new level that we reached. It's insane. It's uh, that the idea of coexistence and peace, boom, severed. There is no return for it. It's crazy what, what we have been facing. In addition, the silence of the Israelis who keep saying not uh, represent me is also uh, puts a blood on their hands too because where is your voice? I mean, all the Israelis that they follow me, they keep, well, you are keep showing us in that bad image. Because, Habibi, what I'm receiving is the bad actions. If I receive good actions, I will show the good image. So they just keep whining and keep showing that we are not like them and blah, blah, blah. So then go and fucking fix it. That's what we are in now. Yeah, with the there is a majority of the Israeli society that supports these actions. It is totally insane to believe that this is just like a right-wing extremist group. This is Israeli society at its core. Yes, and in addition to that, their fucking media is so fucked up. They keep misleading their own people as if they don't have any other source. Let's just walk on this lie. It's okay. So three days ago, extremist settlers burned an Arabic house at Yaffa and a little boy's face all is gone. Now in their media, they say that the one who threw the Molotov was an Arab. That's exactly how they say it. And back to 2014, when Muhammad Abu Khadir was burned alive by four crazy lunatics, settlers from the Israeli side, they said that Muhammad Abu Khadir was killed by his family for his sexual orientation in the Israeli media. So what the fuck is this? And now and it was all recorded, and now they are finally were on trial and so on. Still, I want to show how Abu Khadir's killing reflect how the media is functioning now on the Israeli side. So people don't know why Gaza is bombing them. People living in that pink bubble here in Israel. Not all of them. There are the part of them. They chose to be silenced. In addition, there are the people who really don't know, living in a bubble, Tel Aviv, parties, sex, drugs, hey, viva Israel. And there are the third people who are left wings, who are also not very trustworthy, but many of them are doing a great job. And they are my friends. So we are stuck in crazy 
situation and every single aspect has many layers as you can see yeah i, so I want to just to add some to what michael said i mean i i agree with michael i don't think this is a right-wing problem this is a, this is a zionist problem and and the reason for that is because every israeli government throughout history since the inception of the state in 1948 has killed Palestinians and has occupied Palestinians and has stolen Palestinian land. That's actually the premise of the state itself. The premise of the state itself is that it was created out of a violent action to expel the natives, right? So if there are Israelis today that still aren't really sure what's going on, which I am not, I'm not, I'm personally very doubtful that this can even be the case, given the fact that Jewish Israelis must serve in the army two to three years. So how is it possible that you can claim ignorance when for two to three years of your life, you are actually physically involved in upholding the structures of ethnic cleansing and apartheid? It's beyond me. I mean, do you go, do you have amnesia? What exactly happens to you, right? Even if you're sitting in an office somewhere, even if you're not physically stationed in the occupied West Bank and you're not breaking into Palestinian homes and kidnapping children and putting them through administrative detention, holding them for six months at a time without any sort of due process, even if you're not doing that, even if you're not torturing Palestinians or firing rubber bullets on them or involved in dropping bombs on Gaza, you are still involved in one way or another in promoting the propaganda of the Zionist state, in promoting the propaganda that keeps the Zionist state completely unaccountable on the international level for its violations of international law. So I don't believe that there's anyone in Israel right now that doesn't know what's going on. And all you really need to do is look back at your history. If there's a Jewish Israeli listening to this, look back at your own history. Where did your grandparents come from? Where did your great-grandparents come from? My grandparents came from Palestine. My grandma was born in Gaza. My great-grandma was born in Yaffa. My great-great-grandma was born in Yaffa. Where, where is your lineage from? You came from somewhere else. And not only did you come from somewhere else, but you didn't want to come and live next to me on my land, which we never would have had a problem with. Rather, you demanded to expel me in order to take my place. And that's exactly what you did. And that's exactly what you continue to do. You will not be satisfied until every last Palestinian is removed from the land of historic Palestine. And that's why Israel continues to expand its borders, even though it agreed during the Oslo Accords to the two-state solution in principle, which in any event would have been a huge concession for the Palestinians to accept to have a state on 22% of their land. But we accepted it. And what did the Zionists do? Every single year since Oslo, they continued to build more settlements and transfer more Jewish people from 48 to occupied territory in violation of the Fourth Geneva Convention. So please don't tell me that Israel is serious about a resolution with the Palestinians, the people that has occupied and ethnically cleansed for 73 years. Palestinians have no choice today but to rise up. We have no choice today but to call a spade a spade. And we've been doing it for decades, but nobody's been listening. And today we have the benefit that some sort of global consciousness has been triggered where people are finally starting to understand that the terminology to be used is not conflict. The terminology to be used is not both sides. The terminology to be used is not but Hamas. The clock does not start running when Hamas fires a rocket in 2021 that Israel is in any event able to fully intercept because of the billion dollar Iron Dome system. The clock starts running in 1948 when you expelled the majority of us from our homes and you took them and you lived in them and you didn't even change the furniture. That's when the clock starts running. That is the injustice that has yet to be corrected today and not only that but continues to be perpetuated. 
This is why Palestinians are rising up. And this is exactly why all people that are fighting an anti-colonial struggle right now have shown their solidarity with Palestinians. Take, for example, the Black Lives Matter statement, which took a clear position on settler colonialism, and it called for the dismantlement of settler colonialism in Palestine. This is what we are dealing with as Palestinians. And we will continue to rise up because here's the thing that the world hasn't understood yet, perhaps, or maybe the Zionists haven't understood yet. We would rather die with dignity than live occupied. We would rather die with dignity than live under an apartheid regime because we are human. And the human being was a dignified creation of God. The human being was inherently born with dignity. You may not, as a Zionist, attribute very much value to human life based on the way that you treat the Palestinian based on the way that you have stolen the Palestinians' land, based on the way that you have raped our women, that you have jailed our men, that you have jailed our children, that you have tortured our people. Look at the reports that are published by the Palestinian NGO Adamir. Just look at them. They use techniques of torture that are brutal against us. For what? For demanding to exist on our land? We show up in Sheikh Jarrah two nights ago, singing and dancing and painting murals and flying kites. And what do the Zionists do? They manhandle and beat Palestinians. They steal the kites. They steal the flags. That is the face of Israel. That is the face of Zionism. Palestinians are constantly teaching life amidst a genocide. I saw a clip of a Palestinian boy and his sister going to the rubble of their home in Gaza looking for their fish and they found their fish tank and it was intact and the boy was so happy. He was standing in the rubble of his former home and he was so happy that his fish was alive and he was showing it off for the camera. We are constantly teaching life in the midst of a genocide. There were Palestinian children playing on a trampoline as the missiles rained down on Gaza because there's nowhere to hide. So we may as well live life and enjoy it. There's nowhere to hide. We can't escape Gaza. It's a prison. Israel won't let us leave. The same country that is mercilessly pounding us with thousands of tons of missiles is the same country that literally has sealed the border and won't let us escape. We are constantly teaching life. Sorry, I went off. He's frozen again. He's kicked off. <laughs> Rahib. They are mighty. They are mighty. Rahib, Rahib, Rahib. طبيعي حرام بالحاس يحكي شيء الله الوضع شو مقرف عن جد الله يعطيك العافيه عدنان الله يعطيك العافيه ويحميكم ويفرج عليكم ويعوضكم وفعلا يعني احنا انا دائما انا كل يوم هيك انا 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 كل يوم هيك اي انا اي تولد اي تولد اول ماي بالستينيان فريندز اون ذا جراوند I said, I may have been born in exile. I was born in Kuwait. I may have mm. been born in exile, but there is not a single day of my life that I did not fight to dismantle the Zionist regime. And I will continue to fight to dismantle the Zionist regime every single day of my life until I die. Look, Israel took everything from me. They prevented me from living on land where my, my grandmother and my grandfather were born. They prevented me from learning my language perfectly. They prevented me from knowing my culture perfectly, from having the historical references. They prevented me from generational wealth of being able to just continue to live and, and grow up on my land. When we became refugees, we lost everything. Not only were we refugees one time, but we became refugees again because then we were expelled from Kuwait. They deprived me of everything. They deprived me of my identity. They forced me to grow up in a society that I had no choice to grow up in. I didn't choose to grow up in. And I am enraged. I am filled with rage. I made a post the other day and I said, my rage is stronger than your missiles. 
Because my rage, my rage comes from a place of principle. My rage comes from a place of principle and comes from a place of respect for human dignity. So I will that continue to fight. That was, that was my message for the Palestinians of the diaspora. You are now the only hope. And alhamdulillah, they all responded. And now they woke up uh, all the countries with them. So Mikey is back finally. Yeah. I want to hear what you are saying because they want to censor you. Surprising that the only guy who's being heavily censored is the anti-Zionist Jew. Like we thought you would at least have yeah. a little bit of privilege, you know? <laughs> because he is no. the hidden thing. <laughs> the mask is off now. Yeah. What I was saying before I was censored the fifth time kicked off this Zoom <laughs> is that it's not just United States corporations. <laughs> Three. Wait, hold on. My, <laughs> cut off again. Actually, it cuts off every time you say United States. So maybe you can't uh, say that. <laughs> maybe that's maybe like a trigger right. word. I bet, 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 bet. I bet it's corporations, actually. Maybe it's corporations. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to say it like this. There are United States organizations that are working in concert with the settling projects to expel Palestinians from Sheikh Jarrah, right? Nahalat Shimon International is an organization based in the U.S. It's one of two settler organizations implicated in the ethnic cleansing in Sheikh Jarrah. It intends to demolish the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood and replace it with 200-unit Zionist settlements, according to legal advocacy organization Ir Amin. The other settler organization, Ataret Kohanim, has a branch registered as an American charity in the U.S. 2015 Haaretz report found that there are over 50 organizations registered as 501c3 tax-exempt charities in the U.S. that have funneled over $200 million to the Israeli settlement enterprise. Some people think that they're donating to charities and they end up funding colonization. Others are quite aware of what they're doing and they hide behind the secrecy of a 501c3. The Israel Land Fund website states that one of its chief goals is to realize, quote, the desire of diaspora Jews to take a more active role in redeeming the land of Israel, especially in Jerusalem. Well, let me tell you something as Jew in diaspora. I have absolutely no interest in in being involved in the ethnic cleansing of Jerusalem. It is a shame to Judaism in its entirety that you even mention our name, that we are associated at all with this genocidal policy of terror. You disrespect our ancestors who lived through the Holocaust when you associate us with these literal Nazis. Yeah, look, there's there's a couple more things, right? Jewish National Fund, Planetary in Israel. Feels like I'm out again. Can't tell. Yeah, you're out again. You're out again. <laughs> this is insane. Mikey. Tragic. They really don't like him, Adnan. They call him Mikey Intifada. Oh, it's the best name. Yeah, Hasbro, Hasbro. Sahina Hasbro. They call him Mikey Intifada. Am I back? Can y'all hear me? We can hear you, but we can't see you. And see, you are frozen. But, Wallah, Mikey, you should tell me what is your skin routine. <laughs> Inshallah, you're glowing. 
And then, did you see my post about my skin routine? Because I actually posted about my skin routine lately. Really? No, I, I don't know. I go don't check know it out. Go check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. DM, DM me that, but I can't follow. I can't follow anyone back because I'm blocked. You're blocked for following. Yes, following, uh, commenting, and liking. Honestly, honestly, I just want to say something. Okay, first of all, I was, I'm just going to finish my thought on the companies that are complicit in our oppression or the organizations that are, you know, the charities that are like faux charities. Uh, and then I'm going to say something else about this censorship. So let's not forget that the JNF, the Jewish National Fund, has been for decades raising money under the guise of a super cute and eco-friendly project of planting a tree in Israel. But yeah. the trees that they have planted in Israel have served the purpose of covering up the crime of the destruction of the over 500 Palestinian cities and towns that the Zionists destroyed. So there is a very intentional attempt to change the landscape of Palestine in order to make it look exactly like what they say it looked like, which was that it was a land without people for a people without land. This, of course, is a total lie. And they had to literally physically uproot all of the infrastructure so that they could replace it with trees and de-develop it and make it look like nobody was there. But we all know very well people were there because here we are today, millions of Palestinians in exile because they kicked us out. That's one thing. The second thing is Caterpillar, the U.S. company that is involved in carrying out the bulldozing of Palestinian homes and the uprooting of the olive trees of the Palestinian farmers. It's a U.S. company and it operates with no problem, even though it is directly involved in human rights violations in occupied land. So that's a huge problem. And Caterpillar has, of course, been target to one of the BDS campaigns because of its very, very clear and direct role in maintaining the structures of occupation. Now, the one comment that I want to make about all of this censorship is that it is insane to me the level of censorship that we are facing on an individual level. I have never in my life seen any form of censorship like this taking place, not even during the Arab Spring. Spring. Sorry, I bugged out. Not during the Arab Spring, not during Tahrir Square, not during any other global solidarity movement. We are being subject to potentially the largest censorship campaign in the history of social media because we are fighting ethnic cleansing and genocide. And if you don't believe me, give me an example of an even greater campaign of censorship being brought on by Western-owned social networks. I am not talking about China or places where they have absolutely no freedom whatsoever to begin with to publish information online, you know, that dissents from the main, you know, narrative. I am talking about in the West, companies like Facebook, like Instagram, like Twitter, especially Instagram, right? Especially Instagram. We have seen Instagram be weaponized as a form of resistance and we have been met with a total and complete crackdown on our ability to disseminate photos and videos of the actual crimes that are being committed. What are you so afraid of, Israel? If you're in the right, if everything you're doing is just for self-defense, if you have nothing to worry about, why have you mobilized multi-billion dollar social media networks against individual activists on the ground and in exile? Why does every single act... I'm bugging again. Sorry. Why is it that you don't want the world to see what you're doing? Why do you bomb Associated Press and the Al Jazeera offices and level it to the ground and turn it to dust? Why do you do that? 
What's the purpose of all of that? Why do you cut Palestinian lives out of Gaza when they are showing impending destruction of a family house, of a residential tower, of, of, of a bank, of a medicine factory? Why do you do that? Why do the lives cut out, Israel? We're showing unedited, direct footage of what it means to be a Palestinian right now on the ground in occupied Palestine. Why are you suppressing our voices if you have nothing to worry about? Even live streams, even live streams. Why have I been kicked off this Zoom five times now? <laughs> we have, by the way, we have used Zoom ever since we started this podcast and we have never had an issue of censorship until this week. And I'm afraid that it's, go it's going to continue. So whenever we send you something, guys, whenever we cover something, just keep it. Because of now in, in one month, we gathered uh, information that is uh, beyond 17 years. So Exactly. In the one... message was delivered. Yes, that's exactly. the issue. Yeah. Exactly. So now you just need to maintain it. If we will be silenced, if we will get killed, if we will get arrested, if we will blah blah blah, guys, now it's on you just to continue our work. Hundred percent. Because that's all that we can do for now, really. Yeah. Let's let's end on this, Adnan, because this is a key point. People around the world are messaging me. I have a hundred messages in my inbox right now of people from all over the world asking me, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And I tell them the same thing. Palestinians are not victim of a natural disaster. We are not victim of a humanitarian situation that could be solved if you were to throw money at the problem. In fact, Palestinians in Gaza simply can't throw money at the problem because Israel controls the entry of cement into Gaza. So all of these towers that they have destroyed, the thousands of people that they have turned into refugees yet again, are not going to be able to rebuild, save for there's some sort of intervention from another state like Turkey or Qatar that says, hey, let's try to reduce a little bit, you know, the suffering in Gaza. Let's let a few cement trucks in, right? But to my knowledge, there is not a single organization or an NGO that I could donate to today that tomorrow could show up in Gaza with cement trucks ready to rebuild. It doesn't exist. So we don't need your money. What we need is global political solidarity, especially from other people who are fighting anti-colonial struggles. In my talks in the last week, I have been on several podcasts. I have been speaking on lives. I have been raising hell. I have especially relied upon the statement that was made by Black Lives Matter as a means to lift me up and to be able to educate people what this is about. I told people, look, if you want to know who whose side to be on, all you have to do is look at who supports Palestinians and who supports Israel. Palestinians are supported by Malcolm X, by Angela Davis, by Desmond Tutu, by Nelson Mandela, by every single anti-colonial struggle in the world. Israel, on the other hand, is friends with a bunch of anti-Semites, Orban, Bolsonaro, Modi, the United States, which is the largest settler colony in the world, Canada, the, the European Union, right? As well as a bunch of authoritarian despot governments in the Middle East that crush all forms of dissent, who are hated by their people, who are dictators, who have never been voted for in places like Bahrain and the UAE and now Morocco and Sudan, which normalize their relations with Israel. These are not model governments. These are governments which are crushing their people. That's why we say Zionism equals white supremacy. Yes. 
So this is what we need from you as Palestinians, whether we are in Palestine or in exile, we need you to raise hell. We need you to go to your rallies. We need you to get involved in the political process, to expose Zionists, to always reorient the conversation as one about land theft. You stole our houses, you stole our land in 1948. You're still stealing our houses and you're still stealing our land. And no human being in the world would ever accept such treatment. We have all, as Palestinians, we have a very unique story. We were all born stateless, even though we have a land. Why is that? Because the state that was established on our land intentionally excludes us from it. So we need global solidarity. That's what we need. We need you to post. We need you to amplify our voices. We need you, when we make a post, to get out there and share it with your friends. And we need you to stay focused, right? We don't need you to be sitting here fighting with Zionists in the comments. We need you to educate the people who don't know about what is happening in Palestine right? Because there are a lot of people who have been fed Zionist propaganda for decades, which is all starting to crumble right now. So this is an opportunity for us to recenter the narrative and make Palestine what it always has been, and a struggle by an occupied people against a violent colonial regime. We need your political solidarity. We need you to join local uh, actions for BDS. We need you to get out there and protest. We need you to get out there and say, I, as a black American, support Palestinians. I, as an Armenian, support Palestinians. I, as a Maori activist, support Palestinians. And if you're coming from a place of privilege, use your privilege to support us. That's what yes, we, we need. need. the oppressed of the world to unite. That's Absolutely. You could connect with the Black Lives Matter in a very direct way. And people were like, no, how could you? Because it's a racial issue. No, colonialism is, 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 has the same sense of othering. To be the other, uh, to live as the other, hits the same, whatever the case is. So yes. That's how we could connect to each other. Yes. Absolutely. And by the way, Palestinians... That's why we could connect to the Holocaust too. Sorry yes. for interrupting. Yes, no, 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 go ahead. But that's what connects me as a Palestinian under the Israeli occupation with the Holocaust. Because Jews were othered back then. And now I'm being othered too. Jews were seen as a threat. Now I am seen as a threat too. Jews were discriminated. I am now discriminated too. So please, we want to show the world that it's not about Jewish vs. Muslim, not Islamic terrorism. You have queer Palestinians, secular Palestinians, black Palestinians, feminist Palestinians, Christians, Muslims, all the kind of Palestinians are fighting this. Not only the Islamic terrorism of Hamas. It's a propaganda. Yes, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. So this is what we need from you. And, and look, the response has been overwhelming. People from all corners of the world have been sending me messages, have been reposting my posts, have been trying very hard to amplify my voice. And I am amplifying the voice of the Palestinians who are on the ground, who are sending me directly what they are going through, especially my friend Joe, who's working at a Shifa hospital. So I am getting the news directly from someone who is literally welcoming the dead bodies as they arrive. This is really what's happening. What's happening is not what you see on CNN or on the mainstream media that has been, you know, heavily edited and is not going to show you the images. It's not going to show you the reality of what it means to be a Palestinian. That's why you need to amplify our voices. That's why you need to give us the space to tell you what it's like to live as a Palestinian. Yes, and finally, it's not awkward to talk about Palestine. That face on their face whenever they bring the sound of Palestine, it's like, you have this expression. You feel like there are zero thoughts behind their eyes. That crazy awkwardness needs to end. That's it. And now it's ending. So we need to maintain that. We need to, we need to normalize talking about Palestine, normalize talking about Israel as a colonial regime, normalize 
even the only thing that we should not normalize is the death of Gazans. People see Gazans as objects who only die, who were born to die. No, they were not born to die. Yes. We teach life, sir. We as, teach uh, life. We teach life. Yes. Amen. That's why we need just don't refer to them as numbers. Refer to them as names. Yes. Give them stories. Yes. They are humans. Yes. And and uh, and I know it's not the perfect timing to say this, and it's not our. Uh, uh, what we need now, but I think that the world need uh, to advocate about the truth between the Israeli side and Gaza only to stop the bloodshed. Mm. That's what I've been demanding. Yes. We need an international pressure for this situation, not for the whole conflict or sorry, conflict. It's stuck on my mind from the stupid media. Can you see? <laughs> it's yeah, not but a Adnan, Adnan, I just want to, I just want to respond to that point. And I read yesterday that Hamas accepted a, a, a truce, but Israel yes, rejected it. and very it. stupid conditions. Very Israel similar. rejected it. Rejected. It's very sim. It's very stupid, stupid conditions, which made me realize that Israel was begging for this to happen in order Absolutely. to let Netanyahu stay in power because they failed in reforming a fucking government. Four it's elections. Four elections. Made by our blood. Yes. They said there will be no truce because if we don't do this now, we'll have to do it in six years. What they've been mean? doing it for 70 but like years. their their point their point is like they're gonna bomb gaza and level it eventually so that they may as well just do it right now that's what they were saying well you know michael this is very consistent with the israeli military policy which is known as mowing the lawn they refer to their military assaults on gaza as mowing the lawn every few years they drop thousands of tons of bombs on gaza and then they leave it alone for a few years and then they'll come back 2 years later and do the same thing we are a lawn to be mowed from the perspective of our colonial occupier, right? We are not humans for them. And that's why we're rising up. And that's why we're demanding our rights. And that's why we have sent a clear message to the rest of the world. We're not waiting for anyone to free us. We're not waiting for America to free us through some sort of a negotiated settlement because they have been completely criminally complicit, actually actively involved in our oppression. We're not waiting for the European Union. We are not waiting for the Palestinian Authority. To, to cease its collaboration with the apartheid regime, the Palestinian people are going to free themselves and let this be a lesson to every people who is struggling against a colonial power for their freedom. We are going to free ourselves. We are an educated people. We are a creative people. We are a, we are a people who have shown ingenuity in times of extreme stress. We are a people that has been pressurized in, in ways that, that most people cannot even imagine. And yet we continue to, to make jokes and laugh with our children as the bombs drop. And Michael literally dropped off the call. Yeah, hello, Michael. It's okay. I think we have enough footage for today, Adnan. Yeah, أنا أنا تمسح أنا إلي خمس سنين بغطي بخبص بعمل بايلينجوال كونتنت على الإنستا متعود yeah. بس هالمرحلة أنا فيها والمشاكل الصحية أنا فيها هلا ووضعي أنا وقعت بحفرة سببها قذيفة إسرائيلية بالنكبة 14 متر وقمت من الموت الحمد لله فإنه وهلا حالتي حاله صار معي جلطات بسبب هاي الإصابة وإلى آخره سلامتك 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 مع هالوضع هذا الستريس دبل وحياتي ما عيطت طلعت لايف وأنا عم بصور مواجهات وخلص فلتت معي جد الوضع هالمرة كتير صعب سلامتك سلامتك Hey, y'all want to do the rest of this podcast without me or what? I think, you know what? I was like, Zoom. 
is trying to tell me something. I think, Michael, that we are good. All right. Well, Adnan, thank you so much for joining us on the Palestine Pod. We so appreciate your time and your reporting on the ground. You are a crucial aspect of the resistance. And that's why the Zionist regime is targeting media, because the people are finally seeing what life is like for everyday Palestinians on the ground. So you are crucial. We so appreciate your work. Everybody should support you. I'll link to your Instagram where you're doing great work exposing the Zionist regime. And we will continue to amplify your voice here on the Palestine Pod. And lots of love and respect to my brothers and sisters on the ground. I promise one day I'll meet you in a free Palestine. Thank you all for having me. Thank you. Stay safe and stay dangerous to the empire. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, bye, bye.